All right. Happy New Year. It is 2019, uh, in case any of you forgot. Um, it's the first Sunday of the year, and uh, usually there's a joke amongst um, youth pastors uh, that in the, in the country, uh, the last Sunday of the year is usually called Youth Pastor Sunday. You go anywhere in the country, usually the youth pastor is preaching uh, the week after Christmas. And so uh, I, I missed the boat, and so here I am, uh, the 12th day of Christmas, uh, like Pastor Trent mentioned, uh, the arrival of the, the wise men, or the magi. Um, and so uh, we are actually going to be uh, launching into a new series next week. And so um, it's funny, we've been on this journey uh, awaiting uh, the arrival of an unlikely king uh, born in poor and humble circumstances. Uh, and somewhere in the Middle East, right? Uh, for those of you guys who are geography buffs, somewhere over there, uh, and about 2,000 years ago. So how many of you guys uh, can remember uh, that far ago? No? Okay. Me neither, but uh, this is what we get to, to read about and to, to try and uh, enter in, to immerse ourselves into the story. And so I'm excited. Um, so, but the funny thing is we're going from um, this, this waiting on this birth, and we're going to fast forward about 30 years or so uh, this morning to after the death of this same person. Um, I know what you're thinking. Oh, that, was, that was pretty quick, uh, right? And uh, it's not even Easter yet but that's okay. The irony is that we'll be seeing this pattern of, of waiting uh, just reoccurring over and over. Aren't you excited? Yeah, I can hear it. Um, so anyway, uh, next, next week, Pastor Dave uh, is going to launch us into uh, sort of a year-long series uh, on the development of the early church, right, uh, in the first century, which is really a, a historical account of a huge shift in human history. And so this isn't just a uh, religious celebration. This is a uh, huge turning point uh, for, for this world, right? Uh, and then eventually how and why we get to where we're sitting today, you and me here and now, right? So last week, Pastor Dave touched on, uh, on what I have the honor of sharing about today. Uh, and if you weren't here, it's available to watch online. Uh, five practices uh, for, the, for the new year. Five exercises, rather, uh, for the new year. And so if you were paying attention, uh, number five um, was about getting up and going, actually doing what you're um, set out to do. So how's everybody doing on their New Year's resolutions? Fantastic. Good. Very good. So... Um, yeah, this is going to be fun. So uh, this morning, uh, we're going to look at Jesus' last words, okay? So his last words, his final instructions, not before his death, right? Which is what we usually talk about when we say final words. Um, but we're going to look um, after his death, right? Uh, it's really a prequel to the book of Acts. And so this is where um, God has kind of um, been speaking to my own heart uh, in the last few weeks as um, Pastor Dave has talked about uh, the book of Acts and how he's kind of uh, split it out throughout the year. So I'm excited for that. I love the book of Acts. Um, it's just a huge testimony to um, why we're here, right? 
I mean, really, why are we here? Why do you come here on a weekly basis um, to gather and sing and to sit in a row and listen to someone standing or sitting up here drinking coffee or water? Uh, why do you do that? So it um, starts with the book of Acts. So um, before that, though, before we get into that, we'll let Pastor Dave unfold all of that. Um, if you want to follow along in your Bible or Bible app, turn to Matthew 28. Uh, we'll begin at the very last section in uh, verse 16. If you guys would just like to listen, which is okay, uh, I'd like to invite you to, uh, at the time I read, to, to close your eyes, to open your ears and listen with your heart. Listen with your mind and try not to fall asleep. But first, let me set the stage because this is important to me. Uh, this passage is referred to as the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus' followers uh, just witnessed their anticipated king brutally killed, right? And, and are either uh, returning home in disbelief and grief and fear for their own lives, uh, especially at this point, right? This is fresh for them. Uh, his closest friends are hiding when suddenly some women find them claiming they had just seen Jesus alive with their own eyes. So, can you imagine that? Just for a minute, okay? Let's, let's go into that, to that hiding place. These are real people, okay, like you and me. This is a real story. I have to constantly say that in, in, uh, in kids' church, okay? Like, we're not talking about characters in a story. We're talking about real people. Like, this, this actually happened. Like, when I, when I say Paul, when I say Timothy, like, I'm talking about real people just like you and me who lived, and this is their story, right? And so, these are real people, real story. So, let's just go. Let's just go there, okay? We're in hiding for fear of our life. We're grieving the loss of someone close to us. Have you been there? Traumatized, in fact, by witnessing the horrific public execution of not only just a friend, but our leader, our king, our lord, who we believed and had hoped in to establish his kingdom. Surely this wasn't supposed to happen, right? Like, wasn't he, what, how is this part of what's going on? So there's confusion, there's fear, there's frustration, but there's also this deep sadness for our friend. Why didn't he fight back? Couldn't he have saved himself? Where were the armies of heaven in that moment? I need you right now. Where are you now? Huh? So here we are. In lockdown. Trying to figure out, now what? What if people recognize us or find out who we are? And that we were Jesus' followers. We were his disciples. What happens to us? This wasn't part of the plan. Do you feel the despair yet? So the passing minutes feel like days. Some of you have been in this. You know what this feels like. And a few days go by, 
and then a knock. Some other friends find us, and, and they tell us that they just saw our dead friend. No, really, just imagine this. Oh, but wait, he's, al- he's alive? Like, you're not, we're not talking about the same person. And all of a sudden, by the way, he wants you to travel 70 miles out of the city, and he says he'll meet you in a town called Galilee, right? 70 miles away from Jerusalem, where they are. And, uh, and you're thinking, this isn't funny. Stop. He's gone. Enough. Your hope has been crushed. And the fear and the anxiety and the depression has already settled. And for someone to have the audacity to come and tell you, no, he's alive. Seriously, get up and go. It'd be like us leaving right now and walking to Kent. If we walked up the side of I-5 North and we would stop just between Federal Way and SeaTac. That's how far Galilee is from Jerusalem. Now on the idea that we're actually considering this insane trip, right? What is the journey going to be like? 70 miles walking? Not just physically, but mentally and emotionally, the thoughts in our heads, what would we be processing? The thing that we just heard, he's alive? How? How is this possible? How could he, how could he walk? I saw the nails in his feet. They were pierced. His hands were pierced with spikes to a cross. How is this physically possible? Maybe it was a ghost. Maybe they were just seeing something. But, but they said the tomb was open and, and that his body had risen. No. This, this can't. I mean, I, I, I watched him take his last breath. I'm replaying the scene in my head, the blood, the water, streaming down his side. Could it be? I thought the tomb was guarded. How did he get past the sealed stone? Has our crushed hope suddenly been uh, resurrected? I hope it's true, right? I mean, could we, could we be honest? I mean, I, I hope it's true. I mean, I hope he's really there. This is a long journey, and we're going off of what these few friends are saying. I, I hope he's there. And I suppose if he's not, it's probably better than staying back. So we should just probably keep moving on. So, this is where we pick up 
Matthew 28, uh, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. But some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I love that. The Trinity kind of placed in that. The last words of Jesus, right? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so, uh, that's really nice. I'm still in shock. In fact, I'm not sure exactly what you just said. What? Is it really you? Like, I, I can't imagine that moment in time. To see someone who you saw brutally murdered, alive, talking, within reach, and after the roller coaster of emotions and the long journey, imagine that reunion when you haven't seen someone that you love, when you haven't seen them in, in a long time, that kind of embrace, right? There's tears. There's, there is this squeeze. It's not just a gentle hug. Hello, how are you doing? Let's catch up. It is an embrace. I thought you were gone. The best part about all of that is that Jesus is only saying goodbye in this moment. But he gives them instructions because he trusts them. He leaves the gospel, the good news, to a bunch of young, ordinary people. And then he leaves. You guys got this, right? But it's not that simple. It says in the passage that he was given power, all authority in heaven and on earth, right? And then he gives his purpose. Go, make disciples. And then he gives a plan. Baptize them. Teach them. Teach them what I've taught you. And this, for them, they know this isn't just a classroom setting where I'm going to come 
and lecture you, but that how Jesus taught them was very intimate. It was very relational. He spent years with them, teaching them all that he had. And he's saying to go and do the same. They were strangers to him when he said, come, follow me. So he gives us his purpose. He gives us his plan. And he promises his presence. This is so important because there's a world, including many of us in this room, who at times feel alone. And so this may be the most important piece. He gives us his presence. Though he's not physically here, God is always with you. Always. Verse 20. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But I love this because it comes around full circle. So he's given power. He gives then his purpose, his plan, and promises his presence. But then he says that he's going to give us power. He's going to give us the power. Remember, he's been given all power in heaven and on earth, and he's now transferring power to them, to us. And so if you'll turn with me to Luke, the last chapter of Luke, 24, verse 36. This is another account of Jesus' ascension, his final moments with his disciples on earth. This is just uh, after he had appeared to a few people traveling on the road to Emmaus. And so if you're not familiar with it, um, there's a few people, I'm not sure we're told who they are specifically, but they're on their way home. They had just witnessed Jesus' death um, they're not, they don't need to be in the city anymore. This is a public execution. It's all confusing. He talked about this kingdom. Some people said he, he's risen, but it doesn't make sense, so we're on our way home. And in that moment, uh, on that road, they uh, are met by a man um, who happens to be Jesus, but they don't recognize him, and so um, that's, that's, that's there in the account just before this moment, and so they go back, and they tell everyone, hey, we, we saw Jesus, and so as they're telling them, uh, verse 36, uh, Jesus appeared to them as they were, um, as they were walking along the road. Uh, they had not recognized him, uh, and he was uh, breaking bread So he's telling them this, and then he says, Peace be with you. And the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost, like you do. What? Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? I love this because it it reminds me of moments in, in time with my children who, in a moment, can be so scared and they're sitting on my lap, and I have to just reassure them, I'm right here. I'm right here. There's nothing to be afraid of. I've got you. 
And, and I hear that when I read this. Why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. I'm right here. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as I do. And so he's reassuring them. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? I love this. This is, makes me laugh. <laughs> Everything's so serious, and they're, they're, they're just in awe and wonder, and then Jesus is like, do you, does anybody have a bite to eat? It's just this really fun piece. Um, but, but there's a point to it, right? Because he's telling them, like, look, touch me. Like, I actually have a body. Ghosts don't have bodies. Ghosts can't eat food, right? It's really me. And so they give him a piece of broiled fish, and, and he eats it as they watch, right? Like, is that really him? Like, it's got to be. It looks just like him. He sounds just like him. He, I'm so confused, but I'm so happy. And then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. I could just see them connecting dots, right? And light bulbs going off. Oh my goodness. It was also written that their message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You know, where they were in hiding, in fear for their life, in grief, wondering, now what? Where are you now? That's what Jerusalem is to them at this point. They don't want to be found. But he says it starts in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all, all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, which is a town just two miles out of Jerusalem. Okay, so they're not far back to the place where they were in hiding. They didn't want to be recognized, right? So they're, they're close. So they're close to this place. You can imagine, go back to what that feels like, what that felt like, right? And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven, so, they worshipped. They worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy, and they spent all their time in the temple praising God. So, they've encountered the risen Lord. Jesus is alive. We get those opportunities even today. We have the same access to the power that's being spoken of, 
we have those encounters and those experiences with the risen Lord, and we can declare today and every day from this point on that Jesus is alive. Amen? But do you remember when they left Jerusalem? The fear, the grief, the uncertainty. Now what? What if they find us? And all of a sudden, we find ourselves going back to the place that we were running from. So what is that for you? But here's, here's the fun thing. They are returning with great joy and hope and with a mission. The question isn't now what, right? They're not asking that anymore. Their response is worship. In the midst of fear, hope, right? In the midst of grief, there's joy now. In the midst of despair, worship. And so some of you may be in a season of despair. Your soul needs worship. It is the spiritual food of your soul is to cry out and worship its creator. So if you dove into this story with me, I really emotionally, then you and I have been given that same purpose and plan. Right? The Great Commission wasn't just for them. It was for all of his disciples. In that moment, in this moment, until the end of the age. We have that same purpose and plan. Our denomination, uh, the Church of the Nazarene, is, it's a great It's a Great Commission church. It's a worldwide denomination. There's 30,564 organized churches around the world. Two and a half million members. We're not the only denomination. We're not the largest denomination by far. Okay? We're not even close. But we are all one body, united in Christ, on mission. If we're not on mission, if we're not on mission, then we have no purpose. And if we don't have purpose, then there's not an effective plan in place. There can't be. There's no plan B. You are the hope of the planet. Jesus placed that in your hands, in my hands, to then pass on to our children and the next generation so that they would be the hope of the planet for their generation and for generations to come. We're called to continue what Jesus started We get to be the Christ-like messenger of his love, grace, and mercy. We're the ambassador. I can't imagine that kind of 
responsibility, that kind of weight that they felt in that moment when he charges them with this calling to go into all nations in flip-flops? Like, I, there's no frequent flyer miles, there's no Facebook, no Twitter. And you want us to change the world? Yeah, but just start in Jerusalem and just, just wait. <laughs> just wait. You'll receive power. We're not alone. That's the world, that's the message the world desperately needs to hear. And so I hope that we would take that seriously. I hope that we'd continue to take that seriously, that we'd continue to, to share the hope in Jesus. Not just in this place, not just in this building, but when we leave, that that would be our heart, taking advantage of every moment in our workplace, in our schools, and in our homes, and when we fail, because we will, that you would feel his grace for you. I'm with you. Don't give up. I love this because it's so relational. It's not like this business model for, well, this is how we're going to multiply the church. Um, here's 10 steps that you'll need to accomplish. Don't skip one of them. But it's very relational. It focuses on the person, right? God is all about redeeming and restoring relationships. The relationship between you and him, the relationship between the world and him, the relationship between us, between one another. You're not alone. You are loved. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. So repent. Not not to rub in the fact that you're guilty, but to give glory to him. You're treasured. And God invites you to partner with him in sharing that good news with the rest of the world. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? I want to invite the, the worship team to come back and as they do, I want you to understand that Jesus commanded us to love God and one another. Because Jesus first loved us, okay? What Pastor Trent was saying, God loves us, all people, all people, not just the ones in this room, not just the ones who attend here or have a membership here, all people, all places, And we're to do the same. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, not on our own, which is comforting and assuring for me anyway, I don't know about you, we're called to make disciples who make disciples. A disciple is simply a follower, a learner. 
and we're to teach them the things that Jesus has taught us. So we live life together, learning from one another, caring for one another. That's why groups are so important. By studying God's word together and praying together and gathering together for worship, we celebrate baptisms. It is one of the greatest honors as a, as a pastor, but just as a person, to lead someone to Christ and to baptize them. I'm, I'm convinced that half the water in the tub is my tears when I am baptizing someone. That's been my experience. It is a joy that I cannot explain to you. But I hope, one, that you would pursue yourself. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't. You just have to be faithful. You have to be willing to go where God is calling you. So can you believe this small group of people, ordinary people in the Middle East, actually launched a worldwide movement without social media? Not without help. Not without help. So I hope you understand that. That you have that same access. You have that same power to love the world and point them to Jesus. So we'll pick up how they do this, right? This small group of, of guys somewhere in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. They literally changed the world. So there is the prequel to the book of Acts. Amen. Amen.